Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. My name is Benton Fector, and I'll be the host on the show today. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. It's live, archived, whatever way you're doing it. We appreciate it. It's been a big week for us here at Bucket Booth. We broke a uh, a little milestone, our uh, second milestone together, our 1,000 all-time listen mark. I'd like to thank everybody who is joining us now and who has joined us on this journey to 1,000, and big things will be coming in the future here at Bucket Booth. So thank you all for helping us get to that mark. We'll keep grinding together every Saturday, making a the best Pirates podcast experience available. Uh, and we'll just keep doing this together. Jared was supposed to join us this morning. He may be joining us a little bit later on. But overall, we're still going to have a great show uh, with Jared or without him. So, you know, the winter meetings are coming up, and I want to do a little bit of uh, some shopping, right? And, you know, it's tis the season to be optimistic, the Pittsburgh Pirates activity this winter will go a long way in determining what kind of team they want to be in 2019. Will the front office continue to see high-end talent such as they did with Chris Archer and Keone Kella at last year's trade deadline? Or is budget cutting still at the forefront of their agenda? I'm going to give you my short but sweet Pirates holiday wish list. These are items that, albeit expensive, will make you jump out of your Christmas onesie pajamas after uncovering. They aren't the pair of socks or the hand-woven sweater from Grandma. It's the Xbox or the new puppy waiting anxiously to christen the home. Present number one, Jose Iglesias. Shortstop. With Gene Segura now off of the board, you can bet shortstop needy teams will have their eyes on the slick fielding Iglesias. The Pirates should absolutely be at the front of the line as they left a ton to be desired last season defensively. You can't sugarcoat this holiday treat. Iglesias is simply one of the best gloves in the game, posting the fourth highest defensive war at his position in 2017-18. The strength of the squad is currently at the starting staff and bullpen, and the best chance of keeping it that way is to ensure they can play pitch and catch with relative ease. With Pirates former first-round pick Kevin Newman showing very little in terms of impact at the end of last season, the Pirates have a huge hole to fill in the middle of their infield. Let's start the campaign to bring Jose to the Berg. And our final present, present number two, is Gio Gonzalez, starting pitcher. Hear me out. Yes. I understand that the Pirates' starting rotation is the strength of their team heading into 2019. I think the best course of action would be to find a tinker for Ivan Nova, even if you have to include a prospect for a team to take on his contract, similar to what the Pirates did with Francisco Liriano a few years ago. Gio Gonzalez is an experienced left-handed pitcher, two boxes the Pirates finally check off who is an immediate upgrade on Nova. Gonzalez went 3-0 and in five games with the Brewers to close out the 2019 season, and having a lefty to deal with the likes of Anthony Rizzo, Matt Carpenter, and Joey Votto in the NL Central is paramount. A two-year deal worth around $18 million should be able to seal the deal. A rotation comprised of Archer, Jamison Tyon, Gonzalez, Trevor Williams, and Joe Musgrove 
with Miss Keller Wade in the wings is as sweet as your favorite blueberry Christmas pie. The only, yeah, so that is my Pirates wish list. We have two guys on the wish list who I want the Pirates to go out and get. And what I, really, what I want to do real quick here is we did have a mailbag this week. completely forgot to get to it. We only had uh, one question that I really wanted to get to, and that was from um, Chris Sumner. He asked, what place will the Pirates finish next year? Chris, if you know me, I'm a, I'm a bit of an optimist. First place, NL Central, they're going to win uh, 98 games. Um, I think they have the pitching staff to get it done. They bring in Gio Gonzalez and uh, Jose Iglesias. We will definitely get that done and be World Series champs in 2019. So 98 wins, first place. Uh, they'll either have home field in the NL or maybe – they, they will host their divisional series. I'll give you that. So that's our mailbag question this week. Yeah, but essentially, I just want to look back a little bit about Jose Iglesias and uh, Gio Gonzalez. So starting with Jose Iglesias, my original thoughts for the 2018 offseason were this. Bring back Jordy Mercer to help ease along Kevin Newman. And then I was thinking, you know, if we're getting to a Jordy Mercer-Jose Iglesias battle, who has the better glove? Because, as I said, the Pirates, you know, they have an excellent pitching staff and an excellent bullpen. We need to be able to have good, solid defense. And I was thinking, is Jordy Mercer more of a liability now? And who should we go after? And I came to Jose Iglesias because he's about equal to above a Jordy Mercer bat. I'd definitely say equal. But his glove is what gives him the value at shortstop and I'm really not that confident in Kevin Newman to take over at the shortstop position. Now, if we bring Jordy Mercer back, the front office is very clear that a re-signing of Jordy Mercer equals he would be playing a Clint Farmer's 2013-2012-esque role. Uh, and I don't think Jordy Mercer wants that. I don't think he deserves that. He deserves to go out um, and start somewhere. Hopefully he's going to get the money to start somewhere and have that role because – that's what Jordy Mercer deserves at this point in his career. Now, um, Jose Iglesias, if, if you sign him, it pretty much just says we have no vote of confidence in Kevin Newman. And that, that's what it shows. If we do bring back Jordy Mercer or, you know, stick with um, the, the Kevin Newman-Eric Gonzalez situation, that shows that we do have a confidence in Kevin Newman, and a confidence in Eric Gonzalez. It might also show that Cole Tucker is more ready than we all think because we do have him in the wings. I'd say ready by June at the earliest. Will be, what will work out for him best is more of what we did with Kevin Newman this past year. But overall, with Jose Iglesias, I think we have to go and get him if we want to compete in 2019. We cannot start the season and have a horrendous shortstop situation where we don't know what we're doing and then has to be forced to cover. We, we, we can't have a large hole at the shortstop position. And if all goes to how I see it going out, Kevin Newman is going to provide a glaring hole at the shortstop position that is going to need to be filled and – if we want to have an impact player in that position, you have to go out and you have to go and get Jose Iglesias. Now for my wish list number two, Gio Gonzalez. 
Um, for Gio Gonzalez, you know, I've been preaching, obviously, to plenty of people about how great, simply how great this Pirates rotation is. It's it's one of the best in the league. I'd say the best in the league. And if you add Gio Gonzalez to it, it checks off two boxes that the Pirates haven't had really since Francisco Liriano, a veteran presence and postseason experience. Liriano didn't have much postseason experience, so Gio Gonzalez brings even more to the table. I'd say trade of Nova, package somebody such as, I don't know, um, one of our middle-level prospects to get that contract off the books. And do we talked a lot about the Liriano trade last week. If we do a Liriano-esque trade but with a Nova, it would make sense. And you bring in Gio Gonzalez, and that rotation just gets that much better. You have to have a good lefty starting pitcher in this division, I believe, to compete. Otherwise, you're going to get burned when you play the Reds, the Cardinals, and the Cubs with Rizzo, Carpenter, and Votto early in the games. Because right now, we don't have a lefty starting pitcher. Stephen Brault, you know, when he did start, okay, he he could stop those guys, but he wasn't a dominant left-handed starting pitcher. That's what we need and that's what Gio Gonzalez can provide. Trade Nova, package a prospect, sign Gio Gonzalez. Two years, $18 million. That should seal the deal. You plug him right into that rotation, then start looking scary in 2019. Adding Jose Iglesias at short and Gio Gonzalez on the mound in that rotation, the Bedford Pirates could legitimately compete and win a World Series in 2019 with that. Cardinals just got Goldie, Pirates, Neil Hunton, your move at, uh, in Vegas during the winter meetings. Now, I do want to talk a little about what the opposite of that move is. And Pirates GM Neil Huntington, you know, he did what many Pittsburgh fans wanted him to do last season. He pushed their chips in and went for it. Well, last season didn't result in a NL playoff berth, acquiring Chris Archer and Keone Kella accelerated the team's window and sent a clear message that this team expects to compete in 2019. However, Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports reported on Wednesday that the Pirates were open to dealing catcher Francisco Cervelli with a number of teams involved muddies the waters. Last season, Cervelli slashed for a 259 average, a 378 OBP, and a 431 slugging in 104 games while setting career highs and home runs with 12 and RBIs with 57. His minus one UCR on defense doesn't strike fear in the opposition, but there's no doubt Cervelli has become an integral part of the Pirates' offense when healthy. If the Pirates were to move Cervelli, that would leave Elias Diaz and Jacob Songs as the catchers entering next season. While Diaz proved himself as a starter last season, flashing for a 286 average, a 339 OBP, and a 452 slugging in 82 games, Stallings is 216 average, 268 OBP, and a 216 slugging is much less inspiring. Given that Diaz has never played more than the 82 games he played last season and the nature of the catcher position, having a quality platoon partner to give Diaz a breather is imperative for the Pirates' success. As far as catcher tandems go, Diaz and Cervelli can be one of the best in all of baseball. Cervelli is owed $11.5 million next season, which would make him the fourth-highest-paid catcher in baseball behind Buster Posey, Russell Martin, and Yadier Molina. 
paying a premium for Cervelli services, even if they can't afford it, and if he earns that, the place could be seen as a risk. Knowing that Cervelli has suffered four concussions since 2011, per Bill Brink of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Cervelli is not a superstar, but he was one of the few sources of consistent pop for a team that finished 25th in home runs last season. Now with Gregory Polanco set to miss the first few months of the season after shoulder surgery, Colin Moran never finding his power stroke last season, and the middle infield being completely void of any semblance of pop, the Pirates cannot afford to sacrifice any more offense for the sake of a salary dump. The likely likely return package of a few lower-level prospects wouldn't jump off the page, and it wouldn't be like this Pirates regime to turn around and use the $11.5 million to make a splash in free agency. Trust between the Pirates fan base and Huntington is tenuous at best. After earning some of that back by adding Archer and Keller last season, it would be a gamble for the Pirates GM to move Cervelli without a clear plan B. If that backup strategy doesn't include spending Cervelli's salary on a Yasmani Grandal, Wilson Ramos, or Martin Maldonado, it will be hard to justify removing Cervelli's skill set from a team purporting to try and push for an NL pennant next season. Now, last week, my thoughts were you have to trade Cervelli. And I was doing some thinking on this, and that just really muddies the waters of everything. You know, we loved it when Neil Huntington pushed it in and he said, I want Chris Archer, I want Keone Kella. And he went out and he did it. He went all in when we weren't accustomed to seeing Neil Huntington go all in. The last time he made a semblance of going, you know, oh, and I want to win the World Series this year, was 2015 with the acquisitions of guys like Aramis Ramirez and J.A. Happ. But last season at the deadline, you know, we didn't we didn't make any moves until the deadline, you know, the night of it and in the afternoon, right before the 4 p.m. hour struck. And it, it sent a clear message to the fans that this team wants to compete in 2018 and this team wants to compete going forward in 2019. Their goal was to win a World Series. The Pirates are a team that usually keeps things under wraps not much gets out. That's why these off-seasons tend to be quiet for us loyal Pittsburgh Pirates fans, and most of the talk that we have is speculation. But this is clear-cut rumors from Jeff Passon directly that multiple teams are interested in Francisco Cervelli. Multiple teams. And that just muddies what the Pirates fans' expectations are. You know, last season, after selling off Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole, the thoughts in Pittsburgh and all around the league, well, this team's going to lose 100 games. They're going to be terrible. We're going back into rebuild mode. It's not what happened. Pirates went 82 and 79, had a winning season. We're very close. We're one win a month away for us in 2018. Last season, the Pirates had a playoff caliber, World Series caliber pitching staff. The offense just spoiled that. Now, if we're looking now, we can get that one extra win a month in 2019. That comes with the offense. Trading Francisco Cervelli for some low-level prospects just to get his salary dump off the table and plugging in Elias Diaz as a, as a starting catcher, I'm fine with that. But having Jacob Solis as a backup with a risk of injury and then not knowing what to do after that, 
Because after that, we have absolutely zero catching depth. I mean, some of the guys behind songs are guys like Arden Pabst, John Borman, Christian Kelly. They're not major league caliber players. Yes, John Borman has made his debut, but that debut came in an emergency situation in Miami in, 2000, in uh, 2017 when he was under the closest guy because he was in Bradenton. We need to keep Cervelli to keep the trust with the fan base and to have that pop in the offense. Because if we keep Cervelli, if we add Iglesias and add Gonzalez, this team can and will compete in 2019. The second we trade Cervelli and just save that $11.5 million, as I said, unless we dump that on Grandal, Ramos, or Maldonado, it's not like the Pirates' regime of guys to do that. They don't often trade some salary to then go out and spend it. They trade it to save it. And that's a strategy that we've become accustomed to as Pirates fans, and that's what we have to be accustomed to going forward. Obviously, as we head into the winter meetings this week, these rumors will begin to heat up. And if Savelle is going to be traded, this week is the most likely week for him to be traded out of any week the entire offseason. The winter meetings is where action happens. The biggest week in the offseason is this week. This very week could very well determine what the Pirates' goal in 2019 is. If we go out, we get Iglesias, we get Gonzalez, then we will have a successful 2019. If we go out and we trade Cervelli, maybe even trade Nova, and I have a, a trade that could potentially happen that not many people are talking about. If we go out and do all these moves, what message does that send to Pirates fans in 2019? What message does that send, right? And it's a tough, it's a tough topic to tackle because the past off seasons, obviously, we have went out and we've been quiet mainly. We we don't make that big splash. You know, last season we already we did make the splash just because we traded Cole and McCutcheon, but those trades worked out. Now, if we do go out and trade Savelli, I will have faith. I will obviously still be with my Pittsburgh Pirates, but. It muddies the waters, and it's a, it's, a, it's a tough thing to do, personally. And last week, if you listen to you know, it's all in trade Cervelli. we got to trade him. I don't want him to be in the black and gold by the next time we're on this podcast. But he is still in the black and gold. He is. He's preparing to be a pirate next season, and he better be because we need him. We need him as the catcher. Okay, $11.5 million is a premium to be a platoon partner with Diaz. And really not platoon, they're just splitting that bats at that point. And we talked about the loss of Jacob Songs if we do not keep him on the roster as a third catcher. There's a lot of stuff to talk about when it comes to the catching situation. And it will definitely be clarified as we move forward this week and head into the winter meetings. But I want to talk about something that Really, nobody has been talking about it. It hasn't really even been whispered around the league. But I think it could definitely happen. It could realistically happen. You know, the winter meetings are coming, and one player that I don't see many fans thinking could have an effect on the Pirates' plans for these meetings is gold glove outfitter Corey Dickerson. 
Dickerson came to the Pirates last February in a trade that sent reliever Daniel Hudson, a minor leaguer, and $1 million to the Tampa Bay Rays. Dickerson had what I would call a very solid year for the Pirates in 2018. Hitting 300 with 13 home runs, 75 RBIs, and a 2.2 war. To top those numbers, off he also won a gold glove in left field. All of those numbers point to Dickerson being a contributor on the Pirates in 2019. But count me as skeptical that he will be on the team once the season starts in Cincinnati on March 28th. The reason has nothing to do with Dickerson as the player. It has to do with the lack of control Dickerson has left on team-friendly terms. He has one year left of arbitration, and the estimated cost is $8.4 million, according to MLB trade rumors. We're talking about a team and the Pirates that like to sell off assets going into the last few years of control, when the asset has the right value. For example, look at the Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon trades from last season. Cole had two years left, and McCutcheon was in the final year of team control. Go back further, look how Neil Walker was shown the door going into his last season of team control. Fans can disagree with the return the Pirates received for those three players, but it shows their willingness to trade a player knowing they had value remaining. So, what is the case for the Pirates to trade Dickerson and the case against it? The case against it is obvious. He's a very solid outfitter with a history of hitting 20 or more home runs a season and has a 284 batting average and a 326 OBP over his career. Plus, the Pirates are in what looks to be in compete-now mode with their trades for Chris Archer and Keone Keller last July and selling off top 10 prospects in Austin Meadows, Taylor Hearn, and Shane Boss to get those guys. You couple that with a loss of outfitter Gregory Polanco for, at best, the first part of the regular season. And it looks like Dixon is a lock to make the Pirates opening a lineup. However, I'm going back to the point. The Pirates have been a team that is willing to take the heat for selling a guy with value left to recoup other guys that have more control. To the Pirates, it's about the long game. Even their trades this past July were in part Win now, but also win later. Archer is under team control through 2021 if the team decides to pick up his options, $8.25 million in 2020 and 21. And Cal has two more years of arbitration left in 19 and 20. For the Pirates, trading Dickerson for starting pitcher or a middle infield prospect may not be out of the realm of possibilities. Keep in mind, the Pirates have four of their top 10 prospects who are outfielders. So even if Dickerson were to start the season with the Pirates, I don't see them signing him long-term if they feel confident Brian Reynolds' development. Reynolds could be ready in 2019, and is somebody they want to take a long look at. You also have 2018 first-round pick Travis Swaggerty, who could be a fast mover through the system. All this boils down to me is that Dickerson won't be a Pirate for much longer. I think he could be on the move in the winter meetings to get some more help in the system in much weaker positions such as middle infield. The Pirates already added Lonnie Tristan Hall to a to the team on a one year deal. They could play Pablo Reyes in left field if a Dickerson trade happens and goes Tristan Hall in right. Adam Frazier looks like he will be the starting second baseman. But the Pirates could explore options in free agency for that position instead and move Frazier to the left. The possibilities of it are slim. But I think most fans have to remember it. It's the Pirates. And they will make moves that they will think, well, this year, but also 
and years to come. So the question is, do they trade Corey Dickerson, and should they trade Corey Dickerson? As I said, the Pirates like to keep the antenna wraps. They don't often talk about their moves, and their moves don't often get leaked to the media. That's why the Chevelle rumors, I believe, are substantiated and truthful. As I said, the case against trading him is obvious. Productive player, were, it appears we're in win-now mode. But the, the, the case for is just the standard Pirates protocol. It's what they do. You know, they did it to Cole, they did it to McCutcheon, they did it to Walker. I believe they may do it to Dickerson. And the question is, what do you get from him? Do you, we do a Cole-esque trade and get, you know, major league value players such as Moran and Musgrove and Feliz with a prospect attached to that and Martin? Or do we do a McCutcheon-type trade and get a prospect in a major league buddy guy? Crick, the major leaguer, Reynolds, the prospect. What kind of deal do you swing for Corey Dickerson? If Corey Dickerson could get us a shortstop and a a pitching prospect, then maybe you do that. And then the question is, what happens post-Corey Dickerson trade if it's prospects that we get? Because I believe if you can get a middle into a prospect and a starting pitching prospect for Dickerson, you do that right now. You have to. Look, if we were going to sign Dickerson to an extension, that would have happened by now. But since he's not signed to an extension, you have to move him. You have to move the asset. His value is pretty high. And if, again, we do not sell him for any less than a middle, a solid middle into the prospect and a solid starting pitching prospect. That's what you have to move him for. It seems low ball you for Dickerson, you don't move him. But if you get the right offer, you have to accept it. Look, the, the PR was bad for Cole McCutcheon last year, and the PR will definitely be bad for a Dickerson or a Cervelli trade. But if – I'll hold off on Cervelli. But for Dickerson, if the offer is there and it's there for the taking, you have to take it. Screw the PR. We'll, we'll cover you on that situation because we we'll tend to be optimistic here. Dickerson's got to go if the offer's there because – you know, you can put, to start the season at least in 2019, if we do trade Dickerson, you know, the options. I think the most realistic option would be Pablo Reyes on left, Martin center, Jason Hall on right, keep Frazier at second. I mean, you, you could swing Frazier to left and keep Jason Hall on right and then get a second baseman on the market. But it, it's just a matter of question what you do there. And then, obviously, once Polong comes back, then you can move Chisholm Hall to left field. And that outfield really isn't that bad. Having Chisholm Hall, who batted 321 last year, Marte in center, Polanco in right, and it's essentially the same team, just minus Dickerson adding Chisholm Hall. That's not that bad. And if you get the prospects for Dickerson, then it makes sense to go out there and do that. Look, fans won't be happy with this move. But at the end of the day, it's a move that has to be made. Fans really aren't happy about much moves. There's always some criticism amongst the fan base, especially the Pirates fan base, on what Neil Huntington does. And we talked about the relationship between Neil Huntington and the fans, and, and this will only, it'll, it'll only make it worse. 
But at the end of the day, if you're new Huntington, and we're we're looking to win in 2019 still. You can win in 2019 without Corey Dickerson. That's what we were planning to do last year. We were planning to have a combination of Frazier and Luplo and left. We got Dickerson. I say trade him. What it means will be very exciting this week. I am very excited to see what the Pirates do. I mean, we, we could be on this podcast realistically. We, we could have to go two directions. We could have Iglesias and Gonzalez by Saturday next week, or Cervelli and Dickerson could be gone and we don't sign anybody. It, it's really polar opposites. It'll be interesting to see what Neil Huntington does. I'm very excited for this week, uh, and hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about on Saturday. Oh uh, yeah, so Jared he could not join us this morning. I was really expecting him to be with us on the debut. But I I've, I've had a ton of fun with you guys uh this this morning, beautiful Saturday morning. Um Yeah. So uh the the one that, that I do wanna have, uh little backyard ball today, obviously we're a Pittsburgh podcast, uh Pittsburgh basketball down at Morgantown today. So I mean I Guess the fan base is sort of split on that Pirates wise, but I'm gonna say hell to pin on that. Hopefully we can get that back here overall win. Um, yeah, my name is Benson Factor. Thank you all for tuning in live archives. However, you're doing it, we appreciate it. Make sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, myself at Bucks Dugout, Jared at Pirates Strong, and the Baseball Podcast Network. A follow on all their social media platforms. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net, Twitter at Baseball Podcast One, that's P O D C A S one, YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. We'll see you next Saturday after the winter meetings in Las Vegas. Let's make a deal.